Good morning again. How are you guys doing today? Is it uh, you comfortable out there? It's nice to see the sun again. Um, let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. We are in uh, the sixth church of the seven churches of Revelation. And uh, my plan is to finish the seventh church and then th we're going to go back to the book of John where we left off, which was like the end of chapter 12. Okay, so, and then God willing, maybe uh, at some point we'll come back and finish the book of Revelation. We're going to like, jump back and forth kind of thing. But, but I felt like, uh, you know, for this time that we're in, it's so strange and, and things are going on that, you know, to, to look at, uh, the book of Revelation and what Jesus was saying to the churches just, you know, fit. It's appropriate. It's, it's good for our time. And, and I think, you know, the Bible says, uh, Revelation says in chapter 1 that we get a blessing out of just reading this book and hearing it. And so as we, you know, think about what it's saying there, uh, God is going to work. I, I don't have to remind you, I'm just, you know, my, my heart is just broken, really, about uh, what's going on in our world today and in people's lives. It, 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 of course, it gets down to the individual, our own personal lives, how these things all affect us. But, but it's a very difficult time in our society and in our world. And, and uh, you know, do I understand it all? No, I don't. But I know there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of... of, of uh, people that are upset besides the sickness that we've been dealing with and and all these things but I think the bottom line for me personally and and I said this to somebody is that we need to trust in the Lord we need to trust in the Lord more than anything we can't get all the answers you know I, I say you know when when this is all done whichever this you you know happens to be the this at the moment Will we ever know what all the truth is? I'm not sure that we ever will. But we do know the one who is the way and the truth and the life. And so for us to hold on to him, I think that for me is the bottom line, is that no matter what's going on, we, we need to hold on to Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You know, Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths, make your paths straight. So for us... As believers, you know, people will ask you, well, what do you think about this? And they think, you know, uh, you know, that pastors know everything. Well, pastor, what do you think about it? I, all I know is that Jesus is still Lord. And, and Lord means the one who's over all, the one who, you know, controls, the one who is in, you know, the ownership of it all. And so that's all I do know. That's what I hold on to personally. And I think that for us as believers, that's what we need to, ho to hold on to. So that's my first message. Uh, my second message will be here in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And we looked last week at the church in Sardis, and really kind of it's this idea of dead or alive. What's the church? What is, what is it like? And, and the people in the church, are you dead or are you alive? Are you dead inside? Maybe you have this thing on the outside. You look like you're, you know, 
alive. You look like you're a follower of Jesus, but inside really is just full of dead men's bones or, or, or stuff that isn't really happening. And what did Jesus say? He said, you know what? You need to wake up. You need to get serious. You need to get real and, and, and repent and turn back to him. And he said, for those who overcome, those who, who get right with him and follow him, he says, our names will be written in the book of life and they will never be blotted out. That we will belong to him forever and ever and ever. Today now, we pick it up in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 7. We're looking at the church in Philadelphia. And I, and I think about this uh, as the church of the open door. And why do I say that? Because he talks about open doors. He talks about doors here. Now, the interesting thing is, is as well as the church in Smyrna, for the church in Philadelphia, he doesn't have any correction. The five other churches, he has some kind of correction for them. And some... Uh, he doesn't even have anything to commend them for. But here, he, he really has mostly encouragement. He does have a challenge uh, in there for them, but he has encouragement to them. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we need that encouragement, don't we? I don't know about you. Do you ever get discouraged, anybody? Any of you discouraged right now? You're not afraid to admit it? Raise your hand. You know, it's life. We get discouraged, and we need the Lord by his word to encourage us. I'm encouraged by the scripture, it says in Isaiah, that, that his word does not return void, but it goes, it, it accomplishes that for which the Lord sent it. So when we hear the word of God and we hear the scripture, he's going to do something in us, he can do something in us, and, and he's going to make, it's going to work within us. It's not going to be, you know, empty. So the encouragement that you and I need, it really comes out of the scripture. By the Holy Spirit, of course, as Jesus is working. So we want to listen to what he has to say. So pick, let's pick it up. Verse 7, it says this, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words. These are the words of him who is holy and true. Man, I just got to stop right there. These are the words of him who is holy and and true. Now, whose words, whose words uh, is he speaking about here? The words of Jesus. He said, these are his words, the words of him who is holy and true. So Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is completely holy, and he is completely true. So we can trust him, and everything that he says, the words that we read here, we can trust it. They're holy, and they're true. He goes on to say that he holds the key of David. He holds the key of David. And he begins to talk now about, you know, doors. He says, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. That's a powerful verse, you know, and it applies to a lot of different things. But first he says that he's the key holder. He's got the key. He's got the key, right? What happens when you don't have the key? You can't get in. In chapter 1, Jesus said this. He says, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And he said, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus holds the key. He holds the keys. He's got all of them. He's got a big keychain. You know, I had one here somewhere. I put it down. 
Point number one is found there. He says, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. This is really speaking about the power that, that he has, that God's ultimate power is sovereign power, that God opens doors. But God also closes doors. You and I need to realize that and understand that as believers, when, when we're, we're wondering about certain things, we're praying about certain things, that God opens doors and God closes doors. We, we need to understand that. We need to accept that. We need to you know, believe that God is sovereign, that he's, he's in charge. Number one door is the door into heaven. Then we have different doors of opportunity and different doors that we go through in this life. I think the question is, 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 from what I've just said, are we looking to him as the one who has the key? The one who opens and closes doors? Are we, are we, do we trust him? Sometimes I think it, we just don't really trust him that he's going to open the right door, or close the door that needs to be closed. And so we think we got to do it all. I got to make it happen. I got to open that door. And God says, Jesus says here that he opens the door. And when he opens it, no one can shut it. When he shuts a door, no one can open it. In chapter 4, if you want to Look ahead there for a second. It says in verse 1, after this, after all the things written to the churches here in chapters 2 and 3, he said, after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice that I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, and John is speaking here, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. There was this door open, and if you look before, he looked up, and there was this door standing open in heaven. The number one door that we have to understand and, and, and worry about is the door that gets into heaven for you and for the whole human race. That's the door we really need to be concerned about. But an interesting thing that, that we find in the Gospel of John about the door, what did Jesus say about the door? He said, I am the door. John the Apostle looked up, he saw this door open in heaven, and John, uh, Jesus says in the Gospel of John that he is the door. He said this in John chapter 10. Excuse me, not John chapter 10. I didn't write what chapter is. I think it's chapter 12 here, but verse 9, he said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. Do you want to know how to be saved? You've got to go through the door. This door that, that leads into heaven is Jesus himself. That's the number one door. Jesus says, you know what? He is the door. He's the gate. He's the only way in. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 13, uh, there comes a point in time when the door will be closed. They want to get into the door. It's too late. The door is open now. Jesus says the way is open now. We don't want to wait. Well, I'm going to wait and, you know, I'm going to live it up a little bit. And then, you know, when I get to the end of my life, then I'll try to get through the door then. I'll worry about it then. We don't know how much time we have. I think we should, we should understand this, you know, by the, way, by the things that are going on in our world. We don't know how much time that we have. 
So I want to encourage you to go through the door, the, the door that is Jesus himself, and enter. Be sure that you know that your name is written in the book of life. You've entered through Jesus Christ and what he did upon the cross, that he died for your sins, that he rose, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead, defeating death. That's how he has the key to death, you see. He conquered it. So that's the first door. But then, as I said, we have doors, all other kinds of doors in this world, in this life. Doors of opportunity, doors of witness, doors of work, doors of, of houses where we're going to live. Have, you, have any of you ever sensed that God has opened the door for a specific place for you to live? Any of you ever sensed that? That God opened that door for a place for you? I, I, we've experienced it in our life over and over again, where, where we thought we should go in a certain direction, but God opened the door over here. We thought it was over here, but it was over here. Which door do you think is the best door to go through? You remember that game show? Well, you're going to choose door number one, door number two, or door number three. And, and, you know, behind one of those doors is, you know, the blaring horn that says you get nothing, you get kicked off. Which door do you want to go through? The one that Jesus says to go through, the one he's opening? Or do you want to try to get through the door that he's shut? Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever tried to get through shut doors? And your nose is kind of like banged up really good. Yeah. The door is locked. You can't get through. I, you know, I remember I was, you know, I was, I was in San Diego. And I was working at a place, but I thought that I needed to get this job with the phone company. Now back then, man, the phone company, if you got a job with the phone company, that is like, that's the job you wanted, right? And I, you know, I was going to go through that door. I found some contact down there. I called the guy like three times a week. You know, I was doing everything I could to try to get that door open. And guess what? It never opened. Why? Because the door was not open. Because Jesus had a different door for me right where I was. And, and right where I was, you know, I, I got this job and I was, you know, I was working in the shipping department. All I did was pack boxes eight hours a day and I was like going to go insane. Some of you that do that job, God bless you. But I was going insane. And so I was going to get this other door. But it wasn't that long that within that same company God opened the door for me to go to a different department where I was just like it was incredible you see we need to look for the doors that Jesus is opening in our lives and not fight to go through the ones that he is closing what did what did Jesus say ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. We sang it this morning. What else did he say? Knock and the door will be open to you. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now, now, when Jesus is opening a door, that doesn't mean that we still don't need to knock on the door. Right? 
That doesn't mean you sit at home, you know, you just sit at home, and you, don't, you know, well, Jesus is going to open the door, so I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to stay here. I'm just going to wait for him to open the door for me. And do you think the doors are going to come flying through the window to your house? Well, yeah, sometimes, yeah, the phone is going to ring. I get that. But we still have to put some after effort out. We still have to go knock on the door. We, we need to be responsible for our part, too. He says, Jesus said these words, Ask, seek, and knock. Knock, and the door will be open to you. If it's a door that he's, he's opening. I, I just was kind of looking at this whole concept of doors and, 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 and in the New Testament here. In the book of Acts, three times the Lord opened prison doors. Right? Three times he miraculously opened prison doors. In the book of Colossians, Paul the Apostles, he says this. He says there's a time to pray for this. He said, pray for us that God may open a door for our message. He says, pray that God would open a door. It's okay to pray about it. You don't just say, well, God's going to open the door so I don't have to do anything. I don't have to pray. I don't have to try. I don't have to do anything at all. No, we need to pray, God, because, because our own limited understanding, we don't know what the doors are that he will be opening. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, a very interesting verse, Paul says this. He says, for a great and effective door has opened to me. But what else does it say? Anybody remember? It says, and there are many adversaries. So Paul says, uh, you know, an incredible door had been opened for him to serve and to witness, but there were also adversaries. There are also things that were negative about. So an open door doesn't necessarily mean, mean a very smooth ride and everything's going to be perfect. We sometimes think that, well, if God opens a door, then, you know, nothing will ever go wrong. Nothing will ever be difficult. Many adversaries. It's not always easy. In fact, at one point, 2 Corinthians, Paul says he went to a place called Troas to preach the gospel. And it was a good thing. And he says he found that the Lord had opened a door for him. The Lord had opened the door in this place called Troas. But it says that he went there. And when he got there to this place with the open door, he said he had no peace of mind because his brother Titus wasn't there so he actually left there was an open door there but but it he needed Titus there with him there's something about open doors and also us you know supporting one another and serving together and so he left and he went on to Macedonia sometimes the Lord opens doors for us to serve together and we need to support each other strengthen one another I, I, I believe that here, that God has raised up a family, that we're, we're, he's, got, he's given us an open door. And, and Norman and I talk about this often, about how he opened the door for us to have this place here. You know, in the middle of the recession, you know, money was so incredibly tight, but yet we got a mortgage to, to, to come into this place. And all, you know, you know, there was miracle after miracle that could have shut this door, but the Lord had opened the door and there was nothing that was going to shut the door. No finding a, you know, oil tank buried out back that 
when they were taking the oil tank out, they accidentally hit the water line and filled up this hole with water. That could have shut this whole thing down. The Lord opens the door. One last thing on that before we move on is this. I guess my whole message is about doors, I think. But when Peter was in jail and one of these occasions where he, you know, he got let out, the Lord opened the doors for him to get out. He goes over to the place where uh, the believers were and they were praying. They were, you know, gathered together. They worried about Peter, right? The door was locked. And so Peter goes and he starts knocking on the door. And you know the rest of the story. What happens? They, you know, the girl listens and she says, Peter's out there, but she doesn't open the door. So what does Peter do? Does he leave? No, he keeps knocking on the door. There's a time to keep knocking. There's a time to say, you know what? The Lord has not opened this door, but we need to pray and ask. He kept knocking and finally they opened the door and said, Peter, it's you. And he went in to be with them. Let's move on. What else does it say there? Verse 8, Revelation chapter 3 says, I know your deeds. He has said that many times in these churches, to these churches. He says, I know. He says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. But notice what he says. He says, I also know that you have little strength. Perhaps God is opening this incredible door that no one can shut, but you think, you know, I don't, I don't have what it takes to go through that door. I, you know, I, I, I'm just a weak, weakling. He says, I know you have little strength, but look what he also says, yet, he says, yet, even though you just have a little bit of strength and he knows you, he knows how strong you and I are, he says, yet, yet you have kept my word. And have not denied my name. Yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. His word, as I started this whole message off, is, is that's what we got to hold on to in this life. They weren't very strong. They didn't have it all together. And, and really it isn't about how strong you and I are. It's about how strong what? It's about how strong he is. So we hold on to his word. There is something about, you know, you and I as believers, when, when the Lord speaks a word to us, that, that we have to hold on to it. You know, I, there are things in my life that the Lord has, you know, scriptures that, he's, that I feel that he's given to me that I have to hold on to. And, 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 and knowing that, you know, he is able to bring to pass what he has promised. And I'm just going to hold on to it, even though if I can't see it, even though I don't have the strength to do it. I'm going to hold on to his word. I'm going to hold on to his word. That's what, what, what these people did. They, they kept his word close. They obeyed what needed to be obeyed. That's absolutely essential. And they didn't deny his name. I've been doing a study recently in Philippians where it, it talks about Jesus. And the, the context of it, uh, Paul is telling them, you know, that, that you need to humble yourself. 
And, you know, the fights that we have amongst one another, we need to, we need to humble ourselves and think of each other as, as better than ourselves. That's the context. And then he goes on to give the example of Jesus. He says, have this mind in you, who, what, what was in Christ Jesus, who, you know, he, he came to earth, he humbled himself. He took the form of a man. He emptied all of his, you know, his rights to come down and be with us. But then it says what? That, that the Lord lifted him up and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, what? Every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, this name of Jesus, I, you know, just looking at that, I've been going very, very slow looking at each word and, and, and what, it's, what it's speaking about that this name, this name of Jesus, and, it, you know, it says they held on to his name. They haven't denied his name. They, they knew that the name of Jesus was the great and awesome name, the name of Jesus, that he is Lord. To hold on to that for you and for me in the, in the days, in this world, in this life that we face. Point number two now, and we're going to have to make this quick because I'm running out of time. Point number two is really full of promises. He said, you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. And then he gives them a whole list of promises, future things that he was going to do for them. Beginning in verse 9, he talks about enemies. He talks about opposition, and really what he tells them is that he is going to deal with their enemies and opposition. And you and I face enemies and opposition in this life from time to time. Maybe sometimes more than others, where people you feel like you're, you're fighting all these battles. But he's the one who's going to take care of them. Look at verse 9, what does it say? He says, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge what? That I have loved you. He's going to deal with our enemies. He's going to those that, that fight against us. And, and, you know, whether it's a battle in, the, in, in the, the, the physical realm that we face or the battles that we face in the spiritual realm. And, I, and I'm so convinced that, that you know, there are spiritual battles that are going on. There are spiritual battles, believe me, uh, in the world around us today. We see a lot of stuff going on, but there's a lot of spiritual warfare that's taking place too. But in the end, Jesus is going to be victorious over all of it, and he is going to you know, bring, it all, uh, bring it all to pass. And, and, but I love what he says there. He's going to make them fall down at our feet and acknowledge what? Not that we are something good. He's going to make them acknowledge that he has loved us. He's going to make them realize, our enemies are going to realize that, you know, you can fight against, uh, you know, the believer all you want to, but in the end you're going to see, you're going to realize that he loves us, that he loves you. I think, you know, we, we struggle with that sometimes, I think, from time to time to understand and believe that, that Jesus really does love us. He loves you. I'll say it right now. He loves you. Despite 
your quirks, despite your failings and faults, despite what you do or don't do, whether you fulfilled what you're supposed to do, whether you haven't, he loves you. He just plain loves you. And, and I think you and I need to hold on to that. And, and in the midst of these battles, we, we need to know that he loves us. The second promise I found here in verse 10, that he says he's going to keep us from the hour of trial. This is an incredible promise, folks. You've got to look at this. What does he say here in verse 10? He says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial. He's going to keep us from the hour of trial. He says that it's going to come upon the whole earth, the whole world. Now, what do you think he's talking about there? I think he's talking about the Great Tribulation. In fact, from chapters 6 through chapters 19, which spell out the Great Tribulation, uh, you know, he, we, we don't find the church spoken of during those chapters. From the end of chapter 3, the church is not spoken of again until chapter 22. So this is, a, this is a radical promise that he's making here, that he's going to keep us from the hour of trial. How will he do that? Very simply, through the rapture, what, what he talks about, what Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians, the Lord will himself come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever Therefore, encourage each other with these words that, that this, is what, this is where we get the concept, the, the teaching of the rapture. First Thess Thessalonians chapter 4 and, and so many other verses, but also here, Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. He's going to keep us from that hour of trial. But that doesn't mean there are still times, he said it in that verse, you have kept my command to endure patiently. We have to go through some stuff here in this world. It's not the great tribulation, but it certainly is tribulation, right? There's stuff we got to face in this world. Endure patiently and hold on. He has a plan and a purpose for you and I. Verse 11, the next promise, he says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He says, hold on, the promise is that it's coming soon, that it could be at any time. And, and kind of the concept there is that it's going to be suddenly. It's going to be quickly. It's going to take place quickly. You and I need to be ready at, at a moment's notice. He repeats this promise again in chapters, uh, chapter 22, three times. He says, behold, he says, watch. He says, look, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. And it's, it, it, like I said, it means suddenly. To be, we need to be ready. Paul talks about it in Romans. He says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. You and I need to know that. One more scripture about this. Hebrews chapter 10, speaking about what we're doing here today. He says, let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. 
But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As you see that time is getting closer and closer, he says, let's get together. Let's, let's, you know, we need to make sure that I'm there. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss any of these churches in the book of Revelation. And all the more as you see the day approaching. He says, let us encourage one another. I spoke about encouragement. We need to be encouraging one another and all the more. Because as the day is approaching, things will get to be more difficult. The next thing, I've read it already. He says, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. There will be crowns. There will be crowns in heaven. And there are more crowns of reward. Crowns of reward. So we need to do what God has called us to do and, and, and hold on to those, those gifts and callings that he's given to us. And each one of us, I believe God has given a gift and a calling. Some of us know what they are. Some of us do not. But what is your unique place in the body of Christ? You don't want to be like it talks about in 1 Corinthians where you're going to get in just... You know, you're going to get in sort of by the skin of your teeth and you won't have any reward. You're going to get in because of your faith in Jesus Christ. But you won't have any rewards because you haven't done anything. You haven't served. You haven't built anything. You haven't, you know, offered yourself to the Lord to what he might want to do with your life. The last thing, the last two things found in verse 12. He says this, Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. Incredible stuff. He says, I'm going to make... To him who overcomes, I'm going to make a pillar in the house and you'll never leave it. You'll be there forever and ever and ever. How do we overcome? By trusting in Jesus Christ. And then he writes these names on us. The name of the Father. The name of the city. The new Jerusalem. The name of Jesus. Earlier we saw he talks about giving us each a new name. So we'll have that as well. We've got some pretty incredible stuff ahead of us that 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 the lord has for us if we will only just keep holding on and be patient and and endure through what we face in this life so back to our first point we'll we'll wrap it up now is that jesus opens doors and jesus closes doors the question is will we follow him will we go through the door if if he opens the door are we willing to go through? Are we praying and asking, Lord, what door is it that you have for me? How do you want me to go? Are we beating our head against doors that are closed? And we just need to say, you know what? That's not a door that God is opening. It's just not a door. Maybe someday it might be, but right now it's just not a door that God has opened. And when he shuts a, a door, no man can open it. And the promises that he has for each of us. 
Let's hold on to what we have. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to the promises. Hold on to the scripture. You know, I say this a lot because I mean it and because I believe it so, so deeply that you and I need to be in the scripture. We need to be reading it, studying it, listening to it. We have Christian radio. The internet is, you know, you got to be careful what you listen to, but there is so much good teaching. We need to get the scripture within us, the scripture that he had the kids memorize. You know, they, thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I won't sin against you, Lord. Let's hold on to those promises. Let's get into the word. Even now, we want to know what's going on in the world. We, that's why we're in the Bible. That's why we're looking at the book of Revelation. That's why we're studying. Because the answers are found here. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together and let's pray. The Lord held back the rain, notice. Not a single drop, I think. I don't know, I'm under here so I can't tell. But the clouds are here, but no rain. God is good. God is good all the time. Our great, great and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that, that you have a path. And we can trust you and you'll make our path straight. You'll open the doors that we need to, to have open. You'll close the doors that we should not go through and, and help us to see and pray and knock and do the things that, that we need to do. But we trust in you, Lord. We trust in you. The promises you have just go on and on. And, and, and we just looked at a bunch of them now. And, and, and that's just a few. The promise that we'll be in heaven with you forever and ever. And, and we will know, we will know how much you love us. Father, I pray for your people that are here today and the people that are listening that are in their homes uh, on the computer that they would that each one of us would know that you love us without a shadow of a doubt that you love us you love me so we confess that now Lord you love me you died for me Lord, we, we pray for our world. So much going on, so, so much that we do not understand, Lord, but you understand it all, Lord. And so we pray that you would, you would have your sovereign hand working, your powerful hand working. Show us how we might be able to be a, a positive force in this world not in and of ourselves, but in the name of Jesus, that, that Jesus, you, are, you have the answers. That we can pray. Jesus, I want to pray, and as we always do, as we close with this invitation, really, for, for any who have never been through that door that leads into heaven, the door that is Jesus himself, that if that's you, you, you need to take, 
this opportunity, really. Today is the day of salvation where you go through that door. You say, I'm going through. I don't, you know, I've had enough of this world and what it has to offer. I want what Jesus has to offer, which is eternal life and the love that only he has. And if that's you, you can pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I come, I, I have nothing, I, I need forgiveness. I'm lost, searching. So I come to you, Jesus, now. I ask you into my life. I ask you into my heart. Today here, June 7th, 2020. Save me, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing one more song together.